Things don't always work out the way they should, do they? You ever notice that about your life? <laughs> it snowed yesterday. The leaves are still on the trees. Not working out the way we expected it to be, right? Yeah. We all plan for things that just don't work out. My wife and I, Karin, for example, we were supposed to go to Italy last month. Bet you're feeling so sorry for us, right? <laughs> and of course, COVID-19 prevented that from happening. Um, we'll often go out and spend a day somewhere in some town and we'll go like, hey, spontaneously, hey, let's go have dinner. Let's go have lunch over at this place, right? You know, you know what I'm going to say, right? So we, so we go over there and sure enough, it's closed. Or it's a two-hour wait. Or it doesn't, it's not there anymore. And it always happens like that. When we ever plan something spontaneous uh, in a day out together, usually it doesn't work. <laughs> um, we don't know what tomorrow will bring, do we? Uh, we just don't know. I get a kick out of some things I found here about people who laid plans, but they didn't work out the way they thought they would. Uh, for example, Albert Einstein in 1932 said, quote, there's not the slightest indication that nuclear energy will ever be obtainable. <laughs> Obviously, it didn't quite work out what his expectation was. Uh, Emily Snively, there's an interesting name for you, uh, the director of the Blue Book Modeling Agency advised the would-be model Norma Jean Baker, better known as Marilyn Monroe, in 1944, said to her, quote, you better learn secretarial work or else get married. <laughs> well, this one, this is a good one too. Uh, Jim Denny, manager of the Grand Old Opera, Opry, who, upon firing Elvis Presley after a one-night performance on September 25th, 1954, told him, and I quote, You ain't going anywhere, son. You had to go back to driving the truck. <laughs> well, that didn't certainly work out to what his expectation might have been. Uh, Lee DeForest, American inventor, pioneer of the fields of radio and television, in 1926 announced, and I quote, while theoretically and technically possible television is feasible, commercially and financially, I consider it an impossibility. <laughs> A development which we should not waste any time dreaming about. And of course, we have Elizabeth Taylor, famous actress, five days before her announced divorce to Richard Burton said in 1984, uh, we'll be married for the next 10 years. <laughs> Things just don't work out the way they should or what our expectations are. And James has something to say about those things. He tells us, um, he speaks to us about planning about what to expect. And he gives us two reasons as well what we shouldn't leave out of our planning. You can see this in James chapter 4, verse 13. So if you turn there, 
James chapter 4, verse 13 to 17. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a town and spend a year in such uh, a year there in trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and we will do this and that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. So, in the midst of trials, and this is the theme of the book of James, in the midst of trials, we need to cultivate the necessary behaviors to see ourselves through them. And the theme verse in 119 is that we are to be quick to hear. Uh, that means not, not just listening, but also doing. And that's what chapter 2 is about. Faith without works is dead. Then we're to be slow to speak in chapter 3 speaks about the tongue and how important it is and how powerful it is because it can give blessing, it can give cursing. And now in chapter 4 to the end of the book, we're in the section about being slow to anger. And in the first part of chapter 4, he tells us that the solution to anger is submission to God. And then he turns and says that we are be too very slow to judge other people. Um, and then here he tells us that we are to be reluctant to boast about our planning. So what you see here, interestingly enough, is the theme of humility and submission that runs through the entire chapter. First part of the chapter, we're to submit ourselves and humble ourselves before God vertically. Then we're to humble ourselves with each other in the fact that we don't judge one another. And here he speaks about humbling <laughs> our plans and submitting our plans to God that deals with us. The first thing he tells us is, really kind of he outlines what a plan is, right? Come now, he says. Now, put it in the real terms. Get real. That's really what he's saying to us. Get real. You say, today or tomorrow, We'll go to such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Notice the planning here. Today or tomorrow, we have a specific time. We'll, do, we'll go to such and such a town, have a specific place. We'll spend a year there. That's a time frame. And we'll trade and make, make, a, make a profit. It's a purpose. So it's, it's kind of a business trip in a way. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. And, James is not saying that there's anything wrong with planning, right? And we should have purpose. We should have a program, a process, and certainly should have a budget around it. And we do have those things, don't we? We plan vacations. We, some of us plan to go to school, planning our investments, our business plans, and there's nothing wrong with it. So what is the problem? There's nothing wrong with making plans. 
Well, he doesn't really say it until verse 15, but turn there with you. Just drop down to verse 15, and he tells us. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. So what's happening here is he's saying to us, plans that leave out God are a problem. <laughs> and... But people do that, don't they? And I think we can even catch ourselves doing that, making plans in life and yet completely ignoring God and what he wants us to do. As one poet put it, it matters not how straight the gate, how charged the punishment, the scroll. I am the master of my fate, the captain of my soul. I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. I'm the captain of the ship. And James is saying carefully that there's nothing wrong with planning, but when you leave God out, that's a problem. And he gives us two reasons why we shouldn't leave God out. In verse uh, 14, he says, Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring, what is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Proverbs uh, 27.1 says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what the day may bring forth. The first thing he says to us is that if you plan things and leave God out, the reason you should do that is you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what tomorrow's about. The scriptures teach that we're like a flower that fades. We're a shadow that fades away. We're like a weaver's shuttle that shoots through the loom. I like that one. And it describes the length of our life as if the, you know, the shuttle that they throw, the, throw through the loom, that's the length of our life. I did a funeral this past week. And there's nothing like a funeral to um, tell you about the shortness of life. If you look at a tombstone, you see the, the birth and you see the death. That little dash in there, that's our life on this earth. And just look at the seasons. It's autumn. The leaves are falling. They're dying. Winter's coming. You're already here. <laughs> Spring and summer will come again. And time moves on. Just think of the metaphor of a day, just of a day itself. We wake up in the morning, we're born, we live our life, the day goes by, then we go to sleep at night, and we die. I wouldn't doubt if God set that up, <laughs> that cycle up, so that it would be a consistent reminder of how short life really is. What James is saying to us is it's unwise to leave God out of our plans because life is short. It's the godless, self-assured attitude that he is deploring here. He's deploring the person who says, you know, I'm just going to go and do what I want. Instead, we are to say in verse 15, if the Lord wills, we will live 
the idea of life, life itself, and we will do this, that is our actions, the things that we do. Now, as stated, uh, if the Lord wills, he is acknowledging, I believe here, the sovereignty of God, if the Lord wills. He's sovereign over what we plan. It does not in any way diminish the fact that we need to plan our lives and the importance of planning and the need to do it. But he's saying that those who do it without the acknowledgement of the sovereignty of God over those plans, that's a problem. So let's talk a little bit about the Lord's will. Uh, now, I could do a whole series on this, and people have, and maybe someday we will, but I'm going to try to push it down into a, a very um, short uh, uh, statement here. Um, so what is the, the will of God? Um, the will of God is his moral will for us, as found in the scriptures. So, for example, um, if the scriptures speak to something that we should be doing in our lives, that's his will for us. We don't have to guess about it. We don't have to actually pray about it. We, we have to do it and obey it, right? He gives instruction about marriage and the qualities that are part of a, a good marriage. We are to align our lives with those things. He speaks about divorce and how he hates it. We are to align our lives in regard to our attitude toward that kind of thing. How we are to handle money. We are to align our attitudes around what the scriptures say about money. And I could just go on and on and on. And that is his will for us. But there are other things that he hasn't directly spoken of, right? You ever wonder about that? You know, how do you, you know, all right, so if, if these are things that I'm supposed to do, what about the things that, well, really the scriptures don't speak about? For example, uh, where, where do I go to college? Uh, well, what kind of uh, career am I supposed to have? What, what kind of job am I supposed to, to do? What kind of house am I supposed to buy? Uh, you know, car, even the clothes I wear every day. It, these are decisions that we make every day, and we don't have a direct statement about what we're supposed to do and along those lines. So let me give you a simple formula. And it might be kind of shocking to you, but maybe this formula is really what the will of God is in regard to those areas that he has nothing to say about. We're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself, and do what you want. Would it be that simple? And what I'm saying is that not like, not like the other person who's shaking his fist at God that I'm going to do whatever I want kind of thing. But what, what happens here is that when we align our lives with the heart of God and our, our love for him, we align our lives with him in all our hearts, mind, soul, and spirit and strength, and we love our neighbor as ourselves. when that is all aligned, he gives us the freedom to pursue those other things. So I could be just as spiritual if I went to that college or that college. Or I could be just as spiritual if I took that job 
as opposed to this job. Now, it doesn't mean that, once again, we're not to acknowledge God, we're not to pray to God about this. I think there's a sense in which we need wisdom, definitely a skill, wisdom, we need information, we need advice, we should take that all under the consideration. Um, but one choice, when it comes down to it, when it's not morally in the word of God, we can choose one or we can choose another. In other words, I think some of us get so trapped in trying to find a dot out there about things that are he hasn't said anything about. And I think he gives us that freedom to choose and to um, certainly move forward with it. But, of course, in submission, in humility, in the acknowledgement of God's sovereignty over what those things are, <coughs> that's important. So that's one problem, is that we don't know what's going to happen. The second problem is, and he says this in verse 16 and 17, as why we shouldn't leave God out, is flat out, it's because it's sin. <laughs> uh, James doesn't mix any words around this. Notice what he says. As it is, boast in your, you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. So you boast in your arrogance. Very strong word here. It refers to making plans without God. No submission, no humility, just going off and doing whatever you want. So it's like, it's like what we have and we fail to acknowledge what he is all about. The word is actually used, this is strange, it's used of a kind of magic elixir. Remember in the Old West, the guy used to sell these fake things off the back end of a wagon, you know, it's gonna cure every ailment. What's well, the word that's actually used there? So we look at our lives, we look at our plans as if it's some kind of magic thing that it's going to cure everything about us. And that's the ultimate and kind of arrogance around it. We kind of give God a declaration of independence from him when we do that. Notice what John, James is saying here in verse 16. He says, boasting is evil. This is what we do. We boast about our plans when we should be in submission to God about them. Now, in verse 17 tells us what we don't do. <laughs> so, whatever, uh, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. It's like the person who is being fired who says to his boss, why am I being fired? I didn't do anything. And the boss says, that's why you're being fired. Didn't do anything. James is saying the same thing. You didn't do the right thing. That is, subject yourself, humility, to the sovereignty of God over your plans. So, summarize this for you. Give me a short message today. To summarize this, James is telling us to make plans and to leave God out is foolish because we don't know what's going to happen. And it's arrogant and sinful to do so. So when you wake up tomorrow morning, before your feet hit the floor, I want you to run something through, a scenario through your mind. I want you to say, 
Lord, I have plans today. I submit them to you. I'm including in that your sovereignty over them. If your word says something about those plans, then I will follow it. I will bring everything in my life, my family, my finances, my work, into submission, into your control, into your uh, lordship over it. You run that when, uh, when you wake up tomorrow. Just run that through your mind while you're lying there about submitting all the things that you need to do and there's lots of things to do. And you should have plans that way. But don't leave God out. Maybe this illustration will help you. Paul Sirks of Daytona landed his single-engine plane at Urbana's Grimes Field because of mechanical problems. Um, the plane engine had stalled on the runway. So Sirks got out of the plane to restart the engine and propeller by, by grabbing hold of the propeller and swinging it down. And of course, when he swung it down, the engine fired up and the empty plane started off down the runway, <laughs> leaving Sirks behind, chasing after it, no doubt. Well, the aircraft barely uh, almost hit another plane. It uh, almost hit another hangar before it actually took off. It took off without a pilot. It circled the, <laughs> the area for five minutes, and then it decided to head northeast without anybody in the plane. It was tracked by another pilot. The State Highway Patrol aircraft was tracking it as well. It finally went down 90 miles from central Ohio, some 50 miles northeast of Columbus. <laughs> and they had surmised that it had probably just ran out of gas and crashed. Now, you might be able to get yourself up in the air. You might, might be able to be successful. You might be able to be known. You might be able to, to have uh, a reputation for a while. But you're going to run out of gas. You're going to crash. The plane will crash. Why? Because you've left God out. Because only God knows the weather, right? Only God can sustain the flight. Only God can control the flight better than you can. And only God can always, always land it safely on the ground. We as Christ followers are never to make plans independently from God. The cure for anger in this chapter and what James is trying to emphasize to us in regard to trials is that we need to have humility towards God in regard to submitting our lives to Him. We are to have humility towards each other in that we are not to judge one another inappropriately. And we are to have humility in regard to our plans and submit them to the sovereignty of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, what you're continuing to do in our life. We have so many things that we plan, we acknowledge. If there is anything in us, 
and any plan that we have that we really haven't submitted to you, that in a way we're kind of taking control of her. Uh, maybe right now, lay it down at your feet so that we might be able to have a, an attitude of submission that will not create a, a root of bitterness or anger in us so that we will then be very slow to open our mouths and then we will be very careful and very quick to hear and to do what you say. For we ask it in Christ's name. Amen.